Hello, this is Jim Wallace, and you're listening to a special edition of The Soul of a Nation, a podcast about how our faith should shape our politics and not the other way around. You can find Soul of a Nation on iTunes, Google Play, and on Sojo.net. For more news, resources, and reflections on the nation's moral and health crisis, visit Sojo.net. Today, I am delighted to be speaking with my dear friend, Barbara William Skinner, about what an unfair, untrue, and unsafe election would actually look like and how to prevent that from happening by protecting the vote and really ultimately protecting Imago Dei, the image of God in every person leading toward this election day. Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner, CEO and co-founder of Skinner Leadership Institute, is a trusted advisor, public policy strategist, faith and community leader, author, lecturer, educator, executive coach, and mentor to a whole new generation, and always a bridge builder. She serves as co-convener of the National African American Clergy Network of denomination and independent church leaders representing 15 million members. For the 2020 election, the Clergy Network is partnering with Sojourners in a nine-state turnout Sunday lawyers and callers campaign. We'll explain that to help ensure safe, free, and fair elections. So Barbara, in just these days leading up to this momentous election, how is your spirit? How is your spirit these days? I'll say like Rosa Parks when she sat on the bus, Jim, alone, uh, about to be arrested for not giving up and giving up her seat. Um, I, my body is tired, but my soul is rested. That means I am, I'm good. I'm really good. Good. Thanks for asking. So in the article that you wrote for co-wrote for Sojourners with Adam Taylor, you said safeguarding against a stolen election is about exercising our faith and protecting our democracy. Tell us what we are up against in the weeks leading up to this election and what practical advice do you have for listeners to protect our democracy? We are up against uh, spiritual wickedness on the earth in earthly high places, Jim. Uh, we haven't seen this level of uh, cruelty and evil and calculated uh, attempts to rob people of color from their fundamental right to vote for decades. Uh, what we have right now is a system, not actions of individuals, not happenstance, but we have a system that has taken place. Actually, you have to go back to a We the People, 1787, that did not include African people uh, who were enslaved here, didn't include white women, didn't include white men with no property. And then you fast forward in 1870, black men got the right to vote. Uh, white women did not get the right to vote until 1920, 100 years ago, but all Black people did not get the right to vote, that is, men and women, until 1965. That's a very short time. But watch what happened after that. What happened after that, just a few years later, the states went to work. Those states that decided that the Black vote was a threat to them that they might not get elected if Black people voted. 
And in 2013, the Supreme Court literally gutted the Voting Rights Act that had lifted up uh, African-Americans, their voter registration had, had just soared. Uh, people were being elected to office all over the country. And all of a sudden, that is gutted. Now, watch what happened after that. Immediately after that, until this time, that's seven years ago, we've had 17 million African-American and Latino-American basically purge from the rolls. And this year alone in Georgia, 200,000. We have had over 1,600 polling sites just literally cut out. So, for example, in Kentucky, where there were 3,700 polling sites, they reduced it to 200. Last week, Governor Abbott in Texas literally took down all the polling sites so there's only one per county. There are millions of people in the area. That means you have to drive, in some cases, they said, a hundred miles to get to a drop off so that if you are sick or elderly or whatever, you cannot vote. This is the level of systemic evil. It's 25 states, according to Brennan's Center for Justice, have on the books voter suppression laws. So Jim, the core right of citizenship in our country has, is under attack. But more than that, the image of God is being attacked the Imago Day that's rooted in Genesis 1, 27, where all God's children are created in his image and likeness. And when you assault a person who is vulnerable, you assault the image of God. And that's what we're up against. We're, we're up against spiritual wickedness and we're again up against political calculated systemic wrongs. So when people ask us, what do you mean when you say voter suppression, as somebody asked me yesterday, you're saying that in the last seven years since the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act from 1965, which was renewed over and over again in a bipartisan way until then in the Congress, you're saying they have purged an enormous number of black voters. Is it 17,000? They have, they have moved polling places or ended polling places or changed polling places to make voting less easy. And since then, that act, many states have... Uh, put new regulations, new rules, new ID laws in place in those their states that directly, as a court in North Carolina said, surgically target black voters to deny, deny them the right to vote. So it's it's all those things, right? All those and it's disinformation. It's all kinds of things that they do, right? It's disinformation. It's voter intimidation. For example. Uh, there in in one place in Ohio and near a housing project, uh, people paid some group paid for a highway sign uh, near the housing project that said uh, vote November 5th. Well, the vote was on November 3rd. This is happening even today, Jim, um, tightening ID regulations at 25 million uh, poor people or people who are elderly, let's say, who have no driver's license. But in Texas, you can use a gun license, okay? But not, a, you know, you can use you can't use a student license. So this is it's surgically focused and it's escalating. It's almost as though since Obama's election, uh, where the African American turnout, let's say in 2012, was for the first time higher than the a white American turnout. That's the first time in the history of this country. 
But with all the increased voter suppression after that, by 2016, that's the last election, it had dropped down eight points. So that meant almost 10 points, okay, 10% drop. This systemic voter suppression works. It, it makes it harder for people. For example, if you're ill and you have no one to take your, let's say you get a, an absentee ballot in, it, only a family member can take your absentee ballot in, you have no family members, you, you can't take it to a drop box. That, that robs you of your right to vote. I'm saying the country is only as strong as it treats the most vulnerable citizens. And right now we're a weaker country because we're robbing not just black and brown people, but elderly people. 40% of the polling sites in the black community right now, today, 2020, have no wheelchair ramps. If you are in a wheelchair then you and you, that is your way of voting, you are denied your right to vote. If you need braille and there's no braille, you are denied your right to vote. The issue, Jim, is that it would be called a management issue. Someone would say, oh, those are management issues. It could be called a management issue if it happened in the white community. But if it's only happening in TART, that's what voter suppression is. It is robbing select classes of people of their fundamental citizenship right to vote and not others. That's what it is. Weren't there some robocalls in Michigan just last week? That's correct. Robocalls in Detroit, not in Cicero, which is a white community, but in Detroit, um, which has a, a very large African-American community, also in Madison and in, uh, and in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Robocalls telling people, if you have a criminal record, forget about voting. Uh, if you have, you know, if you are, you're an immigrant, you cannot vote on election day. This is this is the level of cruelty and evil. We, we don't use the word evil that much, but that is outright evil. Or if you have a credit card debt and you fill out this uh, absentee ballot, they'll come after you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what we're, what we're saying right now, that vulnerable voters, therefore, uh, through the church, must be protected. That is our responsibility, according to Matthew 25. When we see people, no matter what race or background they are, and they're systemically victimized, it is our mandate. It's a biblical mandate, Jim, that we find a way to assist them. And that's what has to happen right now in these days before the election. So that's why the National African-American Clergy Network and Sojourners are partnering, working together on Lawyers and Callers Turnout Sunday, an effort to equip lawyers and pastors to be in polling places in key states on election day to protect the vote. Explain that. How is that going to work? The National African-American Clergy Network is comprised of all of the uh, African-American denominations uh, representing collectively uh, 15 million members. Uh, they have uh, reached out, of course, uh, to work with Sojourners because Sojourners' mission and theirs are, are they, they connect. And our goal is in nine states, uh, the nine states are Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, North Carolina, Ohio, 
Pennsylvania, and in Wisconsin, in those nine states, to recruit pastors uh, who are acting as chaplain at polling sites of vulnerable voters working along with lawyers. So we have the moral and legal presence to protect those, those citizens whose polling sites for over two election have been a trouble. They've, they've had more problems, more polls closing early, closing uh, them early when people are still getting off work, opening them late, machines breaking down, um, their, their problems of people being turned away often, more often than in others after the fact research has shown. So those are the vulnerable polling sites. And so we are recruiting a thousand pastors who act as chaplain. They are the moral presence in their clergy sacred collars to say, not here will you mistreat God's children, not here. We are standing with those who in the past maybe have stood alone, the elderly, people of color, uh, senior citizens and those who are vulnerable in poor communities, disenfranchised communities, young people. Those are the ones we are there to protect. We're also engaging with young senior pastors uh, in the uh, below 50 who are outreaching to young people, millennials, Generation Z, young people saying, this is your country. You need to invest in it by the, using the nonviolent weapon of your vote. So we're excited about this, Jim. We're, we're less than a month out and we're recruiting now. We have uh, Jewish groups uh, that are interested in working with us. We have imams interested in working with us. And we are, as people of faith, going to stand and serve those who are poor on Election Day. Those who are without a voice. You're going to multiple cities. You're going to multiple cities in those states and more in several polling places in those cities, right? Yeah, we are going to, we have targeted four cities in each of those states and 15 polling sites. That's the total of 60 polling sites in each state. That's quite a few, but we believe that we would be covering the, the, the majority of the, the most trouble, the most difficult polling sites, Jim, based on past experience. Mm -hmm. And you're calling the clergy, the callers in those places, chaplains. That's a wonderful word to be chaplains at a polling place to protect voters from uh, voter suppression, but also intimidation. Chaplains on site. Well, voter intimidation is, I don't believe we are exaggerating, but we have been told that there are goon squads of people uh, preparing now to go in by the thousands to the low-income areas and be there to shout out, to intimidate people. And what is worse, there are several of the states that we're in that are open carry states. So within 50 or whatever the state law is, 50 or 100 feet from the polling site, they can stand in their garment, whatever it is, army fatigue or whatever, with rifles. They don't have to say a word. The very sight of that would intimidate a mother standing there with her children, an older person uh, in a wheelchair. That's what we're up against, Jim. And that's why we need chaplains. We, we need, and we're still recruiting. So anyone who hears us, who's a, 
a clergy, if they go to turnoutsunday.com, you can just sign up. Let us know if you can serve either morning or afternoon uh, or all day. And we have also a hotline First, for the first time. We have a clergy hotline uh, in those nine states, which I'll repeat again, uh, and a command center, a virtual command center. So any any pastor who's in our ranks, we'll, we'll provide them with, with masks for the day. Uh, they will be able to call uh, 1-833-487-6688. That, is, that stands for 1-833-4-TURNOUT. <laughs> 1-833-4-TURNOUT. So this is something new, Jim. We're trying to to kind of raise our capacity to protect the vulnerable in this way, the chaplains and then the command center. So people who, who clergy who want, would like to be one of those chaplains or just want to come out and support that, they can do that in all those nine states. If you're in any of those nine states, uh, so I want you, let's all pay attention now, write this down. Barbara, say again, how clergy who are listening or lay people who want to help in those nine states, what do they do? Where do they go? How do they sign up? If they go, they visit on the website, turnout, that's one word. Turnout Sunday is one word. T-U-R-N-O-U-T Sunday, turnoutsunday.com. You go and you sign up. You let us know whether you want to serve morning or night, because we're going to make sure all those polling sites are covered. And when you sign up, we're going to be counting on you for the time that you suggest. We do need more chaplains, Jim. We need them in all of our states, again, in Arizona, in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. We welcome them. We need them, and we can give them a virtual training. We, we've reduced the web. We did webinars for pastors in those states, and most of them we have completed them, but we have now a virtual training that we can send them a video so they will know exactly what to do, what the expectations are for Election Day. So we're focused on Election Day, but we've been working also before Election Day We were working with a number of election officials, those in charge of elections in their states. We were, it was called We Are Watching. I remember one call we were on, Barbara, with uh, Claude Alexander, a bishop from Charlotte, uh, with the North Carolina commissioner. And we asked about this intimidation. And he said, well, we can't control more than 100 feet beyond a polling place. We're not sure what's going to happen. There is free speech and so on and so on. And we said, well, if there is intimidation, we'll have clergy callers there who will be there uh, between those intimidators and the voters. And so uh, you're gonna have clergy standing up uh, to protect those votes. And he took that down, he wrote that down. Remember, he's very, very uh, concerned about that. So what we've already been working with these election officials, you talked about the recruiting, all the people coming on, but also getting ready for voting at every stage, right? Every stage, people are voting even now. Every stage, not just on November 3rd. We started with a strategy when the mail was under attack. You remember when the U.S. Post Office was under attack about weeks ago, a month ago, we asked people to, we, we first we created an emergency voting guide, which was is still available at turnoutfunding.com. And it basically told people exactly what their deadline was for 
getting their absentee mail-in ballot. We said, get your mail-in ballot, fill it out carefully, sign it, do not mail it back. (laughs) Instead, call the number in the emergency voting guide, which again is at turndownsunday.com, and that will take you to your secretary of state who can tell you where exactly to drop it off. Sometimes states don't have drop boxes. They have to go to an official registrar, but it will be uh, that will be an official place. So we had to work on the mailing. Now we've worked on voter registration. Now early voting has started. So we're telling people before the election, if you run into a problem, voter suppression problem, you can call uh, 1-866-OUR-VOTE. That is 1-866-OUR-VOTE to the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, our partner in this work. And they're on duty from nine to six every day and over the weekend. Uh, So Jim, they're able, even right now, we're not waiting until November the 3rd to protect the vote. We have started long before then, leading up to, but on election day, we have a full-fledged crew of uh, these wonderful chaplains all over, men and women uh, who have volunteered for that day along with church-based lawyers. So chaplains and lawyers standing by here. So uh, I love the idea of a faith-based faith-based command centers in every state. What do those command centers look like? What are they going to do? They are going to be, they're virtual this year because of COVID. Uh, we have, they're tied into the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights. We have lawyers being trained right now how to operate them uh, virtually. When people call one eight three three for turnout, uh, they're answered by a lawyer. There are two levels. There's level one. Level one are easy to answer problems. If someone says, uh, I don't have my ID or my ID expired, will Ohio accept it? Will Florida accept it? What will they accept? Oh, I, I don't know where my polling site is. Those are level one problems. They are easily answered. Then we have a what we call the backroom command center with lawyers with far more election protection training from the Lawyers Committee. And they are ready to do, Jen, to, to call those election officials that you and I met with in each of those states and go to another level. Sometimes it, ha- it may take them going to court. Sometimes it just takes, for example, it might take uh, an election official where they run out of ballots in one part of a city to curry them over to another. That happened last year. I mean, last election as well. So we have these level one, level two command center. They are virtual. Our state leads, we have a lead pastor in every state, one of those nine states. They will be trained to connect to the command center. So this is the first time we've done it virtually, but you know, we're doing everything else virtual. So we are looking forward to this. That's right. So what you're hearing, those who are paying attention here, is a plan. I mean, there's a plan to steal the election. That's not an overstatement. There's a plan to steal the election, particularly by suppressing votes of color. There's a plan. But then Lawyers and Callers Turnout Sunday is our plan uh, to prevent that from happening. So it's a plan. It's not just an idea. We did an altar call and a thousand pastors have shown up. Now it's a plan. So when people hear a plan like this, explain why safeguarding against a stolen election is not a partisan exercise. This isn't just about politics or working for one party. It's about exercising our faith 
in protecting our democracy. And the faith community uh, can add essential assets to this movement, as you said, like moral authority, an actionable constituency, and a vast communications network. So this is putting faith into action against a stolen election. But it's faith for us, not just politics. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, It is critical that we understand that when a clergy person shows up in a collar and we're asking the clergy to wear a their sacred collar, it and it's even the election officials have told us this, it's a sign of authority, a moral authority, that things need to get right here. And even the election officials have said, yes, we love your idea of clergy and sacred collars showing up because there's so much tension around this election. And we want to alleviate that tension. They said 80% of the problems of intimidation will show up. You have a Catholic bishop and you have an imam and you have a Baptist pastor. They're there, they're connecting. And they're there with lawyers who can tell them whether or not, you know, what that state law is. That's a powerful presence. Uh, Jim, you said it so many times that we're dealing with really racism. We're dealing with systemic racism uh, rooted in our election system. And so it will take the spiritual and moral authority to deal with a spiritual problem. This is not just a political problem. Oppression is spiritual. It is not of God. It's not of love. Anything that's not of love of God, care, compassion, mercy, it is not of God. It is of another spirit. So we have to fight the evil spirit, as Ephesians 6 tells us, that we're not wrestling with flesh and blood people, but against powers and principalities of mighty forces of a dark world. So we have to, the people of God have to understand, yes, we're showing up in our physical presence, but we're showing up also in our spiritual presence against a spiritual problem, that is, the demonic effort to stop people from exercising their human right to vote. Uh, That's what's so powerful about this. It is, uh, for us, it's an act of faith. That's why we need chaplains. We need those who are rooted both in their faith and also in a spirit of service, that you're going to serve and not to be served. I'm excited about it. I I can tell you that people are getting very excited about it. We have a meeting uh, this afternoon with the Federation of uh, Jewish Federation of America, uh, because rabbis are now uh, asking us, well, which states are you in and, and where can we have rabbis assigned alongside your Christian pastors? We're excited about that. The most exciting, encouraging calls I've been on all spring and summer have been these calls with these clergy, black clergy and their allies in all these states. And for the, the training uh, that we've done with all these clergy members, we talk about this being really spiritual warfare. We use that that Pauline term, spiritual warfare, out of that Ephesians text of what we're wrestling with. So for spiritual warfare, you need spiritual weapons. <laughs> and and so, so you and I are participating in 40 days of prayer and fasting before this election. And we co-wrote an article in the Religion News Service about this. And we said, given what's at stake, influential black clergy and their allies are calling for more than better political strategy. They're calling on Americans to fast and pray 
for the next 40 days before this election. There are demons in the air, our nation's worst racial demons. And as Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. By nothing but prayer and fasting. So why did you and other black clergy call for this fast that many of us have now joined? Frankly, uh, Jim, we felt that we were up against a formidable enemy. We saw voter suppression between uh, 2016 and now escalating. We saw uh, we saw a president unwilling to call uh, uh, white uh, supremacists uh, wrong to oppose them. We saw so we've seen the escalation of white supremacists. They've been emboldened. Uh, militant groups that you see, militia groups have been, and so we felt. You know, we are a people of, of, of the cloth, but we are also people of nonviolence. You know, that we, we said, well, we don't have the power against this level of evil except in, in the spiritual realm. And my clergy friends and I, African-American clergy, you know them like Bishop Ashton McKenzie and, and others um, said, uh, Dr. Tita Witt Smith, Dr. Otis Moss Jr. said, you know what? We're going to engage in a in a fast, a 40-day fast. It worked for Jesus. It worked for Moses. It will work for us. So we started on September 25th. We called you and other one of our allies and said, would you join us in this? And I'm thrilled that so many have joined. Today, Jim, we have uh, well over 600 who have joined us uh, in this fast and people fast any way they want. They can fast, you know, the Daniel fast, they can fast from television. They can fast from negativity. They can fast from excessive, whatever, anything that represents sacrifice. So from September 25th until November 3rd at sundown. And, uh, every week we also have a Facebook live, uh, prayer hour. Uh, we can, uh, that's going to be on facebook.com forward slash doctor dot Williams dot Skinner on Facebook live. We'll do that Monday, each, each Monday going forward until at from eight to 9 PM. Also we're called to pray without ceasing. So we're, we're using the power above all powers. <laughs> we're using the power that we know can defeat the enemy, Jim. Putting prayer together with the fasting is so important. Uh, for me, this fast is, it's anything people want to do, but I would say eat less and pray more. If we eat less or fewer meals or whatever and pray more, it's not, it's, it's fasting and prayer together, which is such a powerful thing. So again, if people would like to join the fast and participate for these still, these many days ahead, uh, practically, how do they learn more about the fast and sign up for it? Thank you, Jim. Uh, if they go to turnoutsunday.com, they can uh, also download a 40-day fast prayer guide. And what it does, it gives you for each day of the 40 days, a scripture that will encourage you. And we, we can, you know, a list of focal points, whether it's COVID, where we have over 212,000 people who've died and over 7 million who are afflicted, people killed by the police, uh, for voter protection and the safety of poll workers, people who are being evicted, people who have lost their jobs right now, food insecure people, gun violence, police uh, misdo misdoing, 
and killing of people so they can, and there are types of fasts that are listed here. And each day, today is the 13th day. And I just love the scripture because it says, just do it. And it's from Ecclesiastes 9, 10. It says, whatever your hands find to do it, do it, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge or wisdom. In other words, in this life, we have a certain amount of time God has given us to do the work to which he's called us. And it says, just do it. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. Isn't that great for today? So Ecclesiastes came up with this long before Nike. Uh, just, just, just do it. I love, love that. So, so this is a, a this is a very powerful thing. People are hearing. There is a plan. Uh, we're not making this up. There is a serious plan to deny votes among voters of color. It's a plan. It's out there. Many facets. Barbara has laid out all the ways they're doing it. But there's a plan to respond. And and so, given all we're up against, as you have so eloquently described. To protect a fair and free and safe election. I mean, who who should be against that, right? Give us, summarize your best political strategy to do that before the election, and then give me your spiritual strategy and how the two must deeply connect, a political and a spiritual strategy. I think the political strategy, Jim, is, is collaborating with other organizations as we are doing and making sure pastors, for example, should make sure that all the people in their network, in their family, in the people in, that they are connected with um, have been registered. If that date is passed and that they are, they know how to vote. They have looked at the ballot. Uh, they know what's on it. They're voting the entire ballot, not just the vice president and president. They're voting about sheriffs and school boards and district attorneys and those who affect their day-to-day lives. Uh, That's one thing they can do. They can volunteer as poll workers. They can sign up uh, at uh, 1-866-OUR-VOTE and get training still. They're still short of poll workers, according to the election official. That the strategy for, the political strategy right now is to use the nonviolent weapon, John Lewis would say, Uh, get into good trouble of voting. Voting is good and necessary trouble. So that's what they can do. They can make sure that the people around them, every pastor should be hosting a Facebook Live or a Zoom call with their members to review what that, they can't tell the people how to vote, but they can remind them of what those elements, what do those provisions mean if they're constitutional provision? What if they are uh, constitutional provision and budget matters? People need to help in translating that because they're affecting their lives. So I'm saying be be registered, know your polling site in advance. You can go to, to um, vote.org and find and be ready. I think getting a ready, intelligent voter is the spiritual nonviolent weapon we need. That's our best political strategy. And then making sure the young people, especially who are turned off a bit, you know, they help them to see that going from protest to the polls takes them to policy and power. They can, they've been in the streets after George Floyd and uh, was killed and, and Breonna Taylor. So they need to go from protest to the polls, from the polls to policy, policy to power. Help them to see the connection between the police who kill black people and the district attorney that is on that ballot. 
who may determine whether that person is ever even, that police is ever arrested or even charged. That's the political strategy. The people who are not voting right now, though they're registered, are mainly low-income people who may be uh, disaffected or turned off. They're just maybe just trying to survive. And young people, Jim. So I think if there's something we can do outside of our circle is to connect with organizations that are doing outreach, voter outreach, to uh, people who are vulnerable and to young people. That That's a powerful strategy. Collaborate, get informed, inform the people around you, and volunteer if you can to help. If all you do is help pass out water or snacks or make sure that if you have extra masks, uh, that's a help. Anything you do to help people to vote. Um, now, that's political. We also need to get ready, Jim, possibly for a stolen election, right? That's been a threat, and we need to not uh, go to sleep on that, that even after people have voted, there, there's been some talk about um, the president not accepting the results. That would be a travesty in a democracy. And we may, people may need to be prepared to for nonviolent resistance. We saw that in South Africa uh, with Gandhi in India uh, during the civil rights movement uh, with great power. We may need to be prepared as John Lewis and others were to, to nonviolently resist if that does happen. We need That's why we need to be prayed up so we're ready. Don't be afraid. Also, we need to realize that the the results of the election may not be, will not be, I'll say not, may not be, will not be November 3rd because some of the absentee ballots in certain states won't even be counted until election day. Therefore, the results won't be in. So we need to get our people ready and of a mindset that it won't be counted. That's, that's what we need to be doing politically. Spiritually, join the fast. There's no more power than the power of God. Join the fast in whatever way you can join the fast. Maybe all you have the ability to do because of health reasons is just to read the scripture with that you know we're reading every day. So you'll be in solidarity with those of us who are fasting. Maybe you can only skip one meal. Uh, maybe you can, um, you know, shut down on on television. By the way, there's only four stories every day, and they repeat them all day. So you could spend a little of time helping. You have time to serve, but. Spiritually, we need to be fasting. We need to be praying every day that for free, fair, and safe election, pray that the polling sites are clear. Pray against voter intimidation. Pray for workers to be able to show up and help the workers. Pray that the machinery works. That's what we can do spiritually, Jim. So spiritually, how we prepare will help us with two things as I listen to you. One is, is sacrifice. You mentioned sacrifice preparing for sacrifice uh, just to be for things and against things isn't enough so we spiritually prepare for sacrifice here real service but service with sacrifice and second maybe we prepare for risk taking there may be some risks here uh we'll, many are feeling risks uh, at polling places are afraid to come uh you know there's potential conflict and then after the election there could be Battles, litigation battles, contesting the election, battles fought in the Congress and in, in the Electoral College, in the Supreme Court now, in the news, 
and even in the streets, uh, this battle could be in the streets, even with people who, who uh, are threatening or practicing violence. So to be chaplains in a situation of risk or to be volunteers is really preparing for risk as well as sacrifice. So that's spiritual preparation. That's just not political analysis and see what the news story is and what happened and the, whether they counted the absentee votes as the president maybe has suggested they shouldn't. But how do we prepare for sacrifice and for risk. I hear you saying that to us. Yes, absolutely, Jim. And when you talk about spiritual warfare, I think I would encourage everyone listening to read Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, because it really does give you, you know, all of the, the weapons uh, that you have uh, when you fight, whether it is around the election or even in your own life, uh, that we need to be ready. We need to be ready with the with, with truth. That's one of the weapons. It's, it's understanding what the facts are. Uh, don't listen to this one or that one. Uh, secondly, uh, righteousness, God's standard. This is not a Democratic or Republican standard. Uh, faith, the word of God, and ultimately, it's peace and prayer. Peace, being in the spirit of peace and being prayed up. That's how we fight. Which are the weapons, really, that language is used in the scriptures, weapons for spiritual warfare. This is a war, and those weapons you just named are truth and faith and peace and righteousness and prayer. These are our spiritual weapons exactly. for spiritual warfare. Now, I know there are lots of people listening who are saying, but I don't live in those nine states. I'm someplace else, but I'm so drawn to this. I, how can I help? How, how can people who, who, who can't come to the polls in these nine states, uh, who don't live in those states, who who can't become chaplains in these nine states, who are listening here, how do they help? How can they support with their prayers? But how can they, how can they donate? I mean, how can they donate to this, uh, to this campaign in these weeks ahead? Thank you for asking that. Yes, and outside of the nine states, the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights has been doing this election protection work for well over 20 years. They are available to uh, receive volunteers and train them, uh, not just uh, pastors, but as chaplains, but also uh, lawyers. Uh, it can be in a big law firm and, and give pro bono time. If they call one eight six six our vote one eight six six our vote that is a critical way of helping outside of our states because our states are just the nine, but there are many other states that need the same help. And of course, Skinner Leadership uh, is a nonprofit organization, as just as Sojourners is. And if someone wants to give, they can go on either of our websites, uh, sojo.net or Skinner um, skinnerleaders.org, and we welcome all support. This is a big war, and we're trying to fight it with the tools and the planning and the strategy that we know how. So prayer has been listed as one of the weapons in spiritual warfare. Uh, and many people I know consider you, Barbara, a prayer warrior. That's a wonderful term in the black churches, but for you, it's a daily reality. Um, you're a prayer warrior. So my dear sister and tag team partner in so, so much of this, would you offer a prayer uh, for all of our listeners, a prayer for a nation in these days, a prayer for integrity? Uh, and faith and safety uh, in these elections that we're going to keep. We're going to keep 
free and fair. Could you offer a prayer for us? I, I would be happy to offer a prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, whose name is excellent and whose ways are past finding out. Uh, God, we come to you right now because uh, honestly, we don't know any place else to go for the level of power you give, of peace, of of, of forgiveness for uh, our sins, uh, where we have hurt one another uh, through our politics. Uh, we don't know where else to go, Lord, to reach out past uh, all of our fears uh, of one another and come together and unite it. So we pray right now for our nation. We pray for every single polling site in the in the United States, every poll worker. Uh, we pray for every uh, secretary of state or county or state election official that they are efficient, that they're on they are, have contingency plans against hacking of equipment. They have backup for uh, the, uh, the maybe outage of power. We pray for everyone standing in line that they'll be patient. We pray against every form of voter intimidation. We pray for free, fair, and safe elections, God. We pray for every chaplain who volunteers. We thank you for every lawyer who comes forward to help. And at the end, we know our democracy, God, will be stronger because we have trusted in it. But more than that, we trusted in you. Thank you for protecting all of those who are out trying to help protect the vote. In your mighty and matchless name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Barbara, for joining us today. Thank you, Jim. To hear more from Dr. William Skinner, follow her on Twitter at, at Williams Skinner, at Williams Skinner. For more Soul of a Nation updates, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review and follow me if you'd like on Twitter at Jim Wallace. Blessings on all of you and help us work together in these days to work and pray and sacrifice and risk for the soul of the nation. Thank you and God bless you.